0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, I want to, uh, as the winter progresses, invite a very special guest who you might remember, especially if you're from Connecticut and the local area. That's Tony Harrington. You might know him as the National Anthem singer for the Hartford Whalers, the NHL team in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. He still sings locally uh, around the Hartford area and will be running for Bloomfield Town Council in Bloomfield, Connecticut. So I thought it would be a great podcast to check in on Tony Harrington, kind of hear his life story, see what he's all about, how he remembers the Whaler days, singing the National Anthem, before all home games, and what he's up to now. So it was a fun podcast. Let me know uh, what you think of it. First, let's hear from Chestnut Hill Technologies, and then we'll go into a rendition of part of Tony's National Anthem recording before one of his Whalers games, and then we'll go right into the podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amade Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at ChestnutHillTechnologies.com. That's
1: ChestnutHillTechnologies.com night that our flag was still there. Oh, say just that star-spangled
0: Everybody, Welcome back to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. And so I thought it'd be great to invite Tony. Tony was nice enough to come on and we were talking before. I t- was telling him about all the great memories I have going to Whaler games. And he kind of was the kickoff of the, of the Whaler games. So with all that, Tony, uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the time and uh, take us a little bit back memory lane. Thank you. All right, well, Tony, I always like to go way back with all my guests. Just tell us your life story, if you don't mind. You grew up in the Hartford area. Where would you grow up, and how did you get involved with singing and your musical talents?
1: Okay, so I grew up in Hartford. Um, We had formulated uh, a gospel group when I was 11. It was called the H&H Singers. My cousin, Ronnie Harris, who's still involved in the music industry, lives in Arizona, but he goes by the name now of Ronnie Song, And, uh, you know, it was just cousins that were singing at a variety of different churches uh, in Hartford and Springfield. And he was the musician.
0: Yes, if you're from the Hartford area, you always see those flyers uh, around town, for sure. Um, And then, Tony, now fast forward now to, what are we, the mid-80s with the Whalers? Uh, Just tell us how you got involved with that. Give us that story of your connection to the Hartford Whalers.
1: Okay, I, you know, I always wanted to be involved with what was clicking in Hartford. And it was the Whalers. So I submitted a package, uh, you know, and... to to the whaler's office they liked it they said it was great uh, but no you know uh, nothing happened (laughs) (laughs) you know so then I brought the same package to uh, the uh, Civic Center director and uh, he brought it up the stairs his way and it was looked upon you know differently it was uh, Gerard Peterson um, and uh, they gave me an audition game it was with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, and uh, it was great. Loved it, loved it, loved it, and uh, uh, they asked me after that to if, if I wanted to do the remainder of the season, and so it just kind of went from there, you know, and uh, first I would have to walk out on the ice to... The carpet. That was some scary stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, I've I've even seen our mayor, uh, our former mayor, in in Harvard. He slipped and fell. Um, it was it was pretty bad. Wow. And and he bounced up, and uh, <laughs> and you know the crowd was like like gasping because they thought like he was just knocked out, but in actuality, uh, I think he was so embarrassed he just popped right back up and acted as though nothing had happened. But it was, <laughs> it was really kind of scary when, you know, they were doing uh, beginning game ceremonies and mid-game ceremonies where the uh, you had to walk out to a carpet. That ice was slippery. Wow. Uh, but it was, it was part of the challenge and, and loved it every minute of it um, and miss it okay. greatly.
0: Tony, what's just give us give us your psyche. What was that like? When did you go to the arena? Like, Was it 5 o'clock, 5.30? Just take okay. us through the pregame, okay. what it was like. And then what's it like? I want to know from your perspective, seeing 15,000 people stare and cheer for you, you're like the center of attention for that two-minute time period.
1: Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I, I have to say, um, what I did, for the most part during those times was I I would go to the games early to basically prepare myself mentally for, for the games. And, um, I would walk, I would walk around the, uh, the concourse basement area and just warming up. Um, I'd sit in the room where, you know, everyone came in to, to eat before the games and, um, And it was just cool. I I made sure that I had time enough to just reflect a little bit because you can't take for granted that song. Once you do, you're going to mess up and you're going to be on ESPN for a bad purpose. So I never wanted to be in that position. So every game I took very seriously. And I think it, it... Pretty much kind of guided me through my career musically and otherwise because there are many times when I lost my voice that day or in the morning and I didn't want to call the organization to say I'm sorry I can't make it and then have them going crazy trying to find someone to fill in so um, I would take it easy during the day just tea and honey water 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 I'd, I'd warm up, um, you know, before, and then I'd hum while I would, you know, because during the, during the time before the anthem, there may have been a lot of different activities going on. So once they introduced me, it's time to go. So I'd have to hum uh, because we didn't have a pianist then. We started with a pianist, but I I, I preferred doing an acapella, and then they never used you know that at least during the times that i was i was singing and um and you know it's when you're doing it like that you start on whatever key you start on so sometimes there were instances where i may have started a little higher than i wanted but then those are times i was challenged and find out at the end oh wow that was great i really like that mm-hmm. um you know i i don't have perfect pitch so there were times when I may have begun the anthem just a little lower than I wanted or started maybe a little higher than I wanted, but generally I was in the right place where I wanted to be and, uh, just loved it. I loved when New York, uh, Boston, Montreal, Quebec, when when those teams came in, it was crazy. They bring in their buses to the hotels and they brought an audience, and they they were loud. And one of the things that I loved about those games was that they weren't going to come in our house and you know be louder than us. So <laughs> with the end of those anthems, I would rock the house, and that that's basically you know it was a challenge. I'm an athlete, you know, at heart. Anyway, I went to um, University of Hartford. Okay, uh, and. I wrestled and I played football, so I was in the Hall of Fame there for, for those, you know, uh, uh, sports. And so being there on the ice, even though I couldn't skate, uh, at all, <laughs> um, I'm an athlete, so I, I always dream about possibly trying to put on some skates and, and, and throw in some goals and things of that sort, but I never did it. I never did it. Um, but I, I just loved being out there because it was the closest thing to being there.
0: Now, correct help me remember, Tony, did you have any signature move? You remember, like, the Bruins, the former National Anthem guy, uh, Rene Rancor with the fist pumps? Did you have any signature uh, ending or anything uh, as you walked out? Um,
1: yeah, there was a the little falsetto piece and then kind of... Kind of uh, uh, a little yell at the end <laughs> and and uh, I would modify it, you know uh, Occasionally just to make sure that you know, you have people who really love you and then others who eh, You know, I don't like the way he changed the anthem at the end, you know, yeah, so so occasionally I would try to satisfy those folks because you know, I I just wanted everyone to enjoy the performance, and I also wanted the team to win, so uh, it was, that was very important to me.
0: Is there a favorite part of the national anthem that you like? A favorite part, segment of the song that you enjoy singing, or that sticks out to you as you go through? Uh,
1: it, night after when night, we get to "Rocket's Red Glare" because um, a, a lot of times, you know, when I've done other anthems for other events, uh, they would have. Rockets blowing up, you know, or if it was a fourth of July celebration, they'd have they they plan things around that part. Yes. So, you know, that those were pretty cool, you know, and and, you know, there have been a number of instances when I've um, performed for Veterans Day and for uh, different sporting events where they'd have fly flyovers so we had to time it just right that at the end of my song the jet or the you know the big huge plane that was coming was coming just at that at that right time so you know it's been instances where we had to carefully you know put that together there was one time I was doing veterans day and i didn't see the plane I did not see the plane, and I was close to the end of the song. I had to hold that note just a little bit, and then the plane came over. It was
0: perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, well, looking back on your time, I might be putting a spot here, but is there any specific moment, specific game, maybe a playoff game that really, in your time with the Whalers, that kind of sticks out in your mind? Uh, You know, you mentioned the Bruins. (laughs) Is there any well, big-time moment for you?
1: Well, you know, we had, we had a song. It was called Win With The Whale. And it was the year when we took Montreal to the seventh game.
0: Yeah, 86.
1: And, right. And, and I had the pleasure of going to Montreal for that game. I was trying to get Claude Mouton uh, to allow me to sing the American Anthem the national anthem
0: okay uh, he,
1: he said Tony Tony I'll lose my job you know but I was there in the stands when <laughs> Lemieux hit that uh, uh, overtime goal and uh, they ended up winning winning the Stanley Cup but the interesting thing was Montreal was so beautiful so beautiful so I was going out to a couple of you know uh, the evening clubs and <laughs> and you know they used to do Hockey night in Canada so it wasn't It it wasn't out of line for someone to come up and say, Hey, Tony, I remember you, blah, blah. Uh, so there was a gentleman in the club and he said, Hey, are you a singer? And, and I said, Yes, yes. I was smiling and everything, like, you know, kind of, kind of blushing a little bit. He (laughs) said, Um, is your name Billy Ocean? (laughs) I was like, You have got to be kidding me. You know, I mean, not to take anything away from him, he's a fantastic singer, um, <laughs> but you know, I was younger <laughs> at that time, yeah. and you know i i still had some of my wrestling muscles, you know and, and I was like phillioed, really but
0: um
1: <laughs> but it, it, it was it was just really nice uh they they treated us so well uh there when we lost, um a Montreal player took me out okay uh, he, he 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 flagged down a cruiser, and we ended up going to a cup
0: really oh wow
1: yeah yeah i mean they they just had the town um and the same thing holds true when i I was there in ninety six for the um world cup. we weren't expected to win uh they flew me up for for uh the national anthem and um and we won in the United States didn't know what to do. We didn't want to uh show up the Canadian team. Um so so no one did anything. Now if Montreal had won, if Canada had won, I mean the whole place was ready to to just rock and roll, but because they lost, it was so somber. Oh my goodness. And and we were very respectful of that. Yeah. Nothing yeah. happened.
0: Yeah, you you, you stayed low, low profile. Yeah, yeah. You got me thinking as you're talking about the Canadian, you know, doing that. You people, Not many people, know you sing the Canadian National Anthem as well. Just talk about how you learned French and got involved with doing that as well. Well,
1: you know, the, the interesting thing is um, after you've sung a song for a number of times and then you hear it in its native language... Um, you want to try that, you know? And so I was very interested in learning that um, and, and loved it. I like, I love the song, period. And then to sing it, you know, in French, it was great. The same thing holds true for, at the time, the Soviet National Anthem. I okay. had to learn that for Yukon uh, soccer, Yukon uh, basketball. Then the Red Army was coming in for... NHL hockey, and then, you know, I did it at the Brendan Byrne Arena in, in uh, New Jersey. It's another name now, I, but but um, it was great. And there was a gentleman who worked previously for the English version of Pravda. He was uh, related to our lieutenant governor, uh, Eunice Court. Okay. And we used to go to a place that was called Shenanigans in Hartford. And I would order a black Russian and he would order a beer and he taught me how to sing that song. Because I I was calling the Russian, the, the Soviet embassy. No one was picking up the phone. Nobody. Really? Mm. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, how am I going to get this song? And then we just started going over it, and I really, really loved it. And as a social worker, I was previously a social worker, so um, during the early 90s, there was a mad rush of a lot of Russian em- immigrants to the West Hartford area,
0: okay. and
1: uh, one young lady from from West Hartford was my client, and uh, she spoke no English, and so uh, I sang the national anthem the Russian national anthem for her and she came in and she gave me all these little trinkets and stuff um you know it it was really special i couldn't i couldn't speak to her she had she had a um an interpreter but she totally understood uh the song and was very appreciative you know of that I did that in my office you know i closed the door and then you know i just started you know you you I just, you know, went into the whole thing and it was like, oh, holy smokes. But I loved it. I loved it. And I, I liked the element of surprise.
0: You made her feel at home.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Well, that's a great segue to my next question. People don't realize you have another job, another career. You talk about being a social worker. Just talk about what you did from the 80s, 90s, and, and today, outside of singing. So
1: so I, I worked for the city of Hartford, um as a contract representative basically working with uh employers that had training programs and then finding folks jobs then i opened up a business with a friend of mine it's called mac construction i uh was executive director for that we were training uh uh individuals in the general construction trades and then I started back with the city of Hartford working with, in the finance department, um, with their minority business enterprise program. So we are working with minority businesses and women owned businesses, trying to get them procurement opportunities and things of that sort. I left there and started working as a social worker. And, uh, that's when I decided to, to advance myself. I went to UConn School of Social Work to get my MSW. And, um, you know, did that for a few years, loved it, but it was, it, it was too much. You know, it came at the time, I started there in 90. That's when AIDS, HIV and AIDS was huge. And my first client was like 18 years old and he was HIV positive. It was just, you know, to see a young person in tears identifying, you know, what, what the situation is. And at the time, It was like the kiss of death you know since then uh, many many uh, medications have been you know found to be uh, helpful in in the prevention of it or 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 uh, to to mitigate it to to some extent but at that time I was a social worker during all of the gang fights a lot of my you know clients were getting killed it was crazy Um, and 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 so uh, you know, it took a lot out of me. So, even though I went for my MSW, I was looking to get out of social work. So, I started working at Texas Community College. Uh, I was a minority business, excuse me, minority affairs coordinator, and I worked in admissions and uh, loved that job. Uh, I then uh, moved to um, Goodwin College. Uh, where I was director of continuing education. So there was a program that I worked with quite a bit. It was called Summer Bridge, and it was uh, designed to bring uh, opportunities to young people who had not necessarily had great success in high school but still wanted an opportunity to go to college. And so we we worked on their general... Uh, Writing and math and English skills to get them to the level that they could take credited courses. So um, it, it gave them a jump start because uh, they were able to earn about six to seven credits in advance of their first year. So, you know, I loved being a part of that. Then we had a, a program called Move, MetaVision in Education, where we were working primarily with at risk students. But what we were doing was we were providing supportive services to them. Simple things like transportation, bus passes, opportunity to, to earn $10 an hour working at the school. These little things were major things. It was found through, through various, you know, forms of research that these supportive things were the, were the things that were allowing folks to, uh, Uh, prosper and and graduate so it was it was very important and then I went back to uh, workforce development so um, now I'm working with a minor with manufacturing training program for 18 to 24 year olds and um, just loving that I, I never thought that I would find interest in manufacturing but it's phenomenal it's phenomenal, and uh, we're creating a lot of great opportunities for young people and, and for young ladies as well. And so um, I'm I'm just enjoying it.
0: That's great, Tony. I think a lot of people wouldn't know that you have a whole other side of yourself other than a National Anthem singer.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, when I was in high school, there, were, there was a, a play. It was called Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, and I had to sing a song, I Gotta Keep Moving, and that's my mantra. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I, I graduated from college with my mother. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that was like my, my most distinctive uh, feat, you know. And then my other distinctive feat was that in 1978, my cousin and I got together. We put two songs together, and they played on WRCQ. It was for my father. My father had pancreatic cancer. Okay. And he hurt he died July 31st. He hurt it on Father's Day of that year and that was like both of those two Separate instances were like the highlight pretty much of my life.
0: Wow
1: um, You know both ended up Unfortunately dying of cancer uh, Both I was there when they took their last breath, you know, so it's it's like a lot of people, you know, they have the parents till their mid eighties, nineties, you know, and and sometimes I, I used to feel bad because you know we had a good relationship, um, but I couldn't, I could, I wouldn't want it to be any different than it was because we maxed out, we did all that we could during the time that they were here, and so when you look back, you think about that, and and you know that. Um, you were raised right. You had great parents, and each of them gave you something special, and I embrace that.
0: Yeah, well said, well said, Tony. Do you do you do you still have people recognize you around town and kind of come up yeah. to you and say, uh, well, "Remember the Whaler days?"
1: Absolutely. It's well. Let me put it like this: since I've been running, I didn't realize so many people in in, in Bloomfield knew me from that you know uh i mean it's been 20 some odd years now yes since the wheelers were here but yeah it's it's amazing (laughs) you know that so much time has passed however they remember they remember they even remember the red shoes (laughs) the people i don't even know and they'll say tony where the red shoes i'm like Excuse me! <laughs> you no, know, I mean that—that's just crazy. But um, you know, some people thought we only won when I wore the red shoes. Other people were like, "No, don't wear red shoes." <laughs> um, so it, it was—it was exciting. It was exciting uh, and different. And and so as a result of my involvement with the Wheelers, I started singing for the Celtics. Um, you know, for the four games that they used to play here in Hartford and then after they left I started doing them in uh in Boston. So oh, cool the thing was with those games I always picked games where there was a Harford person that was, you know, on the team or a UConn person. You know, and, and that was special to me because it would give me the opportunity to sing before the folks that had you know, I had either gone to school with or knew growing up or or, uh, you know, with Ray Allen, with uh, Rick Mahorn, with Michael Adams, just so many folks. Um, it was great. It was great. But those were the teams that I selected. Even when I did the Knicks, you know, it was, you know, it, it was special like
0: that. Yeah, we all we do a lot of Boston College podcasts here, and we, we remember Mike Adams from mm-hmm. Boston College. Mm-hmm. You're right, yeah. Um, uh, Tori, last question, last moment I have with you. Uh, You mentioned briefly you're running for town council, Bloomfield town council. That is. Tell us how that came about, and what are your ideas and plans for the future? Um, You know, I'm going to say when you win.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you, thank you. Listen, uh, you know, I've been in Bloomfield for 25 years. Uh, I never thought that I would be anywhere other than Hartford, but I've been in Bloomfield for 25 years, so I finally acknowledged it, and I really, really love the area, great people, and, you know, um, it was brought to my attention that I should consider, and, you know, I, I did some, some uh, thought-provoking uh, exercises trying to just figure out, is this really what I want to do? You know, I'm not 24 or 37 anymore, but... You know, and then I said, you know what? Uh, it's not over till it's over. And if you have something that you can bring about uh, here that's positive for the people, then you know, do it. And and a lot of what we're running on is 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 for the betterment of the residents. You know, we have uh, a lot of um, I don't want to say older people, but The taxes in this town are extremely high, and particularly for those who have retired, maybe they've lost a loved one. The the challenges, you know, dealing with that one check are huge. And so, you know, there, there needs to be some property tax relief. Please, think- you they want to they want to hear what you have to say and you know I'm, I'm firmly entrenched and committed to doing a good job if the opportunity presents itself that uh, I am elected so um, the difference you know now is I'm, I'm, I'm much more mature you know um, I, I, I feel comfortable and in, in, uh, speaking to people um, I'm not gonna go off the rails uh, in a conversation you know there there's sometimes and and it, it ends up being sort of a, a leadership void and what we're trying to do is fill it at this point so uh, I'm prayerful I'm hopeful that um, you know I get that opportunity
0: hey well best of luck Tony and you're still involved of course Tony Harrington the touch people can hear you all around the Harford era that band as well too right
1: <laughs> yes yes. Had to uh, do some fundraising events with my band uh, you know so it's been fun it's been meeting people at the doors it, it's been meeting people at our events so um, you know the fact that I'm running for council does not mean that my life as a musician ends it's just an extension you know people have I, I've been doing My regular job and music all my life. So, why would I now stop?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, um, have people want to help you out? Fundraise? Is there any way they can reach you to help you out, volunteer, whatever, down the stretch here as we head into the phone?
1: Well, I wish I I had my, well, I'm going to give my number. It's 860 573 1434. We need, uh, phone callers, we need, uh, door to door, uh, uh, campaign volunteers. Um, we need um, uh, donations. <laughs> you know, uh, we're we're a challenge late, so uh, and, and I feel funny even saying that because we were actually endorsed by the Democratic Town Committee, but due to some not so perfect uh, uh, management of that particular meeting, it was taken over, and they flipped it. So that's fine. That's fine. Uh, we're going to just do what we have to do, working hard as heck, to um, to uh, get the vote out. And uh, we're prayerful that in the end we'll, uh, we'll be successful.
0: Well, hey, Tony Harrington, can't thank you enough. My last question—it's putting you in the spot a little bit—but can we get maybe a couple notes out of you as as we wrap up this podcast with a little national anthem? Mm,
1: you know, the the problem with that, <laughs> you can't do a couple of notes of an anthem. <laughs> you know, I mean that that's it, it's it's sort of like a disrespectful in a sense.
0: That's true. You know? That's true. Um, so
1: I, I would be I would be reluctant. To, to do that, because I'm just coming from work, and I would have loved to, I, you know, I should have thought about this, uh, warming up, because, you know, again, I'm no longer 25, <laughs> I, you know, I do my water, I do my tea and honey, and that's when I know that, you know, I'm I'm ready, but, um, you know, I, I love to do it, I still love to do it, uh, but, no,
0: no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but we really appreciate you taking the time and kind of re uh, remembering your career and uh, kind of as you run here for in the future of town council of Bloomfield. So thank, thank you, you so much. Appreciate it. Great. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Well, thanks once again to Tony Harrington for joining us here on the Late Camera Sports Podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technology. I'd like to remind everybody, uh, if you'd like to join Chestnut Hill Technologies in advertising on this podcast, just email Mike, M-I-K-E, at LightsCameraSports.com. Also check LightsCameraSports.com. It's a new website. All the podcasts from the past we've been listening to uh, are located there. It's a great access hub for all of Lights Camera Sports. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is Mike Galtieri signing off the bombs bursting in air, gave proof
1: through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say us that star-spangled